Half the battle is back. It's me, Daniel Levy, your host. And man, we got a very stacked edition of Half the Battle today. I cannot wait. We're going to be talking to the vet, the OG, John Doomsday Howard. Make sure you listen to this one because we went in depth. And man, it's cool to talk to guys that have been in this game so long, have fought against everybody. And then also, UFC lightweight Stevie Ray joined me. And you know, it's funny because... He was initially supposed to fight Jake Matthews, and he had to pull out. It wasn't due to injury. It was due to a visa issue. So when we did this interview, it was actually two days before he pulled out. So just keep that in mind. But you guys know I'm never going to cut anything out of these interviews. I'm going to keep it real, keep it raw, just how we do on Half the Battle. And then also, talking to Juliano Coutinho. This guy is fighting at World Series of Fighting this Friday. He's 37 years old. He's a heavyweight and he's super motivated. He's got a really cool story. So once again, can't wait for you guys to check these interviews out. Here we go. Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, and joining me on this very special edition of Half the Battle is John Doomsday Howard. Dooms, welcome to Half the Battle, man. Hey, man. Thank you for having me, man. Absolutely, man. It's my pleasure. It's always awesome to talk to true vets of this game. And I mean, dude, you've been through it all. What keeps you motivated nowadays? Oh, man, just just keep going forward, man. I love the game. I love the game of MMA, man. I'm happy to still be a part of the development. So just be able to be a, still compete, man, at this level and at this age, man. I'm, I'm so excited to keep going. That's awesome. And I mean, dude, you, you had to have seen uh, Bisbing knock out Luke last week, right? Yeah, I was like, whoa, <laughs> I expect uh, a knockout to be like that, and a substantial like that, man. Um, I think Luke made a mistake, man. He came in the wrong angle, kept his hands down, and I don't understand about Luke, you know. Uh, you fight Bigsman, I will cut my hands the whole time. I mean, Bigsman's going to take you down if he does. I mean, you're a world-class wrestler, so I don't understand what the hands was up the whole time. Yeah, I don't think he uh, respected him, to put it lightly. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I don't get it, man. I mean, best thing. If I was to fight best thing in one of five, man, the one thing I would do is always have my hands up. When um, Hendo fought best thing, the whole time his hands were up. We know um, Hendo. He don't really fight with hands up. He goes and bomb shells. But the one thing he respects is his striking. So I don't know what Luke was thinking. You know, kind of show up. I don't know. Maybe I think Bigsman got in his head and he didn't respect him and you know used his motions. He got caught. Yeah, it's funny, man, because it'd be one thing if he didn't respect, you know, his wrestling or this or that, but Bisbing's known for throwing those volume combinations, so, I, yeah, I mean, you got to keep your hands up against a dude like that. Yeah, you definitely, man. I mean, I, I want to say that the way he attacked, the way angling, even backing off of Bisping, Bisping's a good chaser, man. you got to keep your hands up. I mean, Luke, uh, in my personal opinion, man, have you kept your hands up? He's been good. But because he came there a little sloppy, he got punishment, and he lost the belt. Yeah, I mean, this sport is very unforgiving. And, I mean, when you see a guy like Michael Bisbing, you know, he's 37, 38 years old. He's been through it all. He's had every single setback that you could imagine. But now he's the world champion. I mean, does that do anything for your mind at all? Yeah, it does me It does me hell. It gives me hope, man. I'm proud of Mr. Bisbing. I mean, I'd be the first one to think he's an asshole, but, you know, he's a – Talented asshole, he's a world champion, man. You know, and I'm I'm happy for him because he's letting the younger generation know. Listen, our relevant, the old veterans are still available, man. So that gives me hope, man. It gives me hope. Maybe if uh, everything goes my way, maybe I should make a back run in and go for that title myself. Yeah, man. I mean, as long as you're feeling healthy and you're motivated, and that's what you want, 
you can make anything happen, dude. Uh, oh, yeah, definitely, man. I reach for the sky, man. I, I'm really a personal believer of no limitations, man. So, definitely, man. Even on Bisping, I, I want to say to you, congratulations, man. You know, you being the age, you being and winning the belt, congratulations. I think you're going to hold the title by two to maybe tell you your career to, to, to re, you retire but man but congratulations you deserve it man you've been here for a long time and you deserve it yeah man that's awesome so i mean we got to talk about your career man you've been through it all and you know i don't know where to start should we start with the dennis hallman fight i mean that one's unbelievable because i know i know you've spoken about it a lot but you know a lot of the newer fans they maybe need to go back and watch it so you're arguably down two rounds to nothing and then you go out there and knock him out with that big left hook in the last 10 seconds. That big left hook, which you are known for. Yeah, man. Dennis Hallman, man. I went in there. We went in there knowing he knows he's doing. I mean, he beat Matt Hughes twice, which is to be one of the best weatherweight champions before GSP, before Robbie Lawler. And actually, he's um, he, Robbie Lawler and Matt Hughes are good training partners. And Dennis Hallman beat him twice, broke his thumb the first time, beat him out in a minute. So when I fought Dennis Hallman, man, it was a back and forth battle, man. I mean, he was he got me two rounds to one. I mean, he was winning the fight, but you know, I the last, literally there was a literally last ten seconds, the last ten seconds of the fight, I covered with my famous left hook, knocked him out, ref stopped it, and I uh, won the fight. It was crazy. Dude, how crazy is it that uh, Doomsday knocked out Superman? Actually, I love that. And here's why: my whole career, I always wanted to fight someone named Dennis Hallman. I mean, there's um, Superman. I thought it was going to be, be somebody else named Superman, but him, him, Ed being him was awesome, man. It, it was just like the comic book, you know. Superman, Doomsday going back and forth. Superman possibly gets the best. And in the comic book, Doomsday, Superman kill each other. In this version, Doomsday, where I, I, I agree in the first place, kills Superman. So I loved it, man. You know, the, the Doomsday Superman saga uh, was perfect for me. So when you're down two rounds in a fight, I mean, what keeps you going? Is it just your competitive nature? You just want to take this dude out? I mean, because a lot of guys would quit if they're down two rounds to nothing. Uh, that's not my nature, man. I never say die, man. I mean, that's kind of corny. That's something like a movie. I'd never back down or something <laughs> like that. But, but what it is, is, man, I never stop, man. I come from an uh, environment where, you know, you're basically in a losing situation all the time, man. You can never give up hope, man. When you give up hope, man, all all hell fails, man. But if you just have a little hope and just enough inspiration, man, you know, sometimes stuff happens in your favor. And the Dennis Hallman Superman uh, Doomsday fight was a perfect example, man. So it doesn't matter if I'm losing the fight, winning the fight. I always come in 100%. I always give it my all. Uh, winning or losing, I always, to the lady, fat lady sings, I, I bring it all. Yeah, that's why the fans love you, man. And obviously, when you fought Tamden McRory, the storyline in that fight was that you know he's six foot four and you're five foot seven. First of all, what's it like fighting a dude that much taller than you? <laughs> Goliath versus uh, uh, David versus Goliath, totally, man. He that kid was long and huge, man. No, he was long and huge. He was strong, man. That kid picking up and throwing over his head. I was like, there's no way this dude's gonna throw me over his head. He did it, and I was shocked, man. But that was a hell of a fight, man. I mean, I, I think um, I think a reason why I won the fight because the fight was at 170, and he was he's a slow grower, man. I think he's a 185 now, man. But uh, my advantage was he really that was his last fight at 170. It was out of hard time cutting weight and kind of dampening his strength and cardio, man. So that's why I have the advantage. But that was a hell of a fight, man. I picked him up, he picked me up. It was a great fight, man. It brings me back to the old old school good old days, man. When two warriors just go at it and hope for the best. Dude, I mean, the thing I love about that fight was the scrambles. I mean, that fight was all about the scrambling, and yeah, 
definitely for all the fans listening, go back to UFC Fight Pass and uh, check out John Howard versus Tamden McRory at UFC 101. And dude, the fight where I first got introduced to you was your Jake Ellenberger fight, and I became a fan instantly because you really showed your heart in that fight. And obviously, you know, you love that left hook like we mentioned earlier. You were throwing that big left hook on Jake Ellenberger, even though, uh, you know, he did a little bit of damage to your eye. Did you feel like, you know, they should have let you continue, or do you think it was for the best that they stopped it when they did? Man, I still wish they would let me continue because I was, I was, um, Jake Alleberger, he's definitely a juggernaut, man. I was hitting that kid so hard, man. He kept coming. I cut that kid with a clean head kick, dude, and like, and he's still up. I mean, he's impressive. He could take some punishment. But I, I really feel I was rambling down, I was rambling down. I think if that fight went to the next round and they let me keep going, you know, I, I could have eventually got the victory. Not, not saying that I would have, but at least, you know, let's see what happened. But yeah, my he called me. My, the doctor stopped because my overdose, my overdose was broken, was swollen. And at that point, I was like, I don't care, man. You know, I mean, what's gonna happen? My overdose was broken. I can't fight again. You should let me at least finish this fight. You know, like I said, let me go out my show, man. You know, let me go out my show, come up with it. One and two, man. That's the way I fight. Yeah, no, I agree. And also, I mean, he was towards the end of that fight, he was just kind of trying to lay on you, whereas you were trying to really, really fight. So as a fan, it was kind of frustrating that they didn't let you continue. Yeah, it was really frustrating because he saw the damage of the eye, and once he started laying on me, he kept attacking the eye, and that was good, man, and they stood us up. What really pissed me off about the fight is when they stood us up, and I went to go fight, and he kept like, oh, I got to check your eye. I was like, no, don't do that to me. Don't do that to me. And as soon as I saw the doctor, I looked at the doctor, I was like, yeah, he's going to stop it. And I was pissed. I mean, you saw my face. I was like, come on, man. Don't stop this fight. I had no die in my fight. I didn't say I was hurt. And I, I was like, yeah, I'm all right. I can still fight. The doctor was like, nope, I'm calling it. So I was pissed. But, you know, at that time, congratulations to Jake Ellenberg at that time, man. But that was a hell of a fight, man. That, that was a great fight. Oh, yeah. That was, a, that was definitely a hell of a fight. Do you feel like you gained a lot of fans just for, you know, your will to win that you showed in that fight? I think so, man. I think a lot of fans like the way I fight because they know no matter what, I could be losing or winning. I always come to fight, man. I'm always looking for the finish or the big knockout. You know, they they know Doomsday style. You know, either he goes on his shell or comes back with it. So I think a lot of the fans love to watch me watch me in action because they know when I come to bang, I come to bang. And I, I say either I'm going to get knocked out or the person gets knocked out, I'm going to break my hand. Something's going to happen. And I always have that attitude in fight. So that's why I think the fans love me. Yeah, absolutely. In your next fight, you took on Tiago Alves. And, man, at the time, you know, that was the first uh, high-level striker you fought in the UFC. What was that experience like for you? Because that was, again, a hell of a fight. That was a hell of a fight. Tiago has a hell of a leg kick. Holy crap, man. Um, I thought my leg kick was equal to his or maybe about his. And I went to Thailand specifically to train uh, Muay Thai and fight some of the best leg kickers in the world, man. And I, where my mistake was is being ignorant. I should have went to, uh, I should went to the Dutch and trained with them, man, because he kicks like a Dutch, man. But his leg kick is amazing, man. It was so good, man. I, I mimic his style of leg kicking now, you know. And uh, it was amazing, man. I was, I was glad to experience that fight. I mean, it was painful, but it was one of those experiences where you're like, you know what, you learn something at that fight. Like, you can't be stubborn to certain things, man. So, I love that fight, though, man. I was one of the guys that went 15 minutes with him striking and went back, back and forth, back and forth. But that was one of those sights, especially, like, I knew I was going to bang. I was in for a day, man. And even though I lost, man, I enjoyed that fight. I think that was one. I think that was my hardest fight in my UFC career, honestly. Oh, yeah, it was a hell of a fight. I mean, you guys stood up and banged for 15 minutes. I mean, that's what the fans 
Love to see. And, dude, you mentioned that. So you said the Dutch Thai boxers, they kick harder than the guys from Thailand? They kick way harder, man. Um, I didn't know that at the time. I thought, you know, Muay Thai kid from Thailand. Like, oh, that's where I'm going to go. And me being a Thai fighter, man, I trained I, at the time. I was at Fairtex and um, my other Thai fighters right now, I'm going to sit your tongue, too. Um, I'm a straight Muay Thai head, man. You know, I, I believe it's just in the... That was I was going hard there, man. But what I should have done is train with the Dutch, man. I do train Dutch style now, different style of white time. I'm a lot more open to striking abilities. But um, yeah, man, it, it was uh, it was basically more more uh, Thailand more Thai versus Dutch more Thai. Eventually, the Dutch style won, man. I learned very less how the Dutch kick, and now I kick like the Dutch now. So it was awesome. It was an awesome experience, man. You think it's due to the technique in the kick you know, being the reason that they kick harder? Or is it the way they're built? Is it something in the training? Why do they kick harder, man? Because, I mean, it's not like the dudes in Thailand are, are putting in less repetitions or anything like that. No, it's the it's the solar, hip, the solar hip technique, which I didn't know about. The solar hip technique allows you to open your hips up to one position to another, where the Thai technique, traditional Thai, they open their hips up, but they only have a one square open hip. See the way uh, ties kick; they 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 hide their actual technique. So when they throw a kick, you don't know it's high, low, high kick, whatever. It's it's brilliant, but it delays the power because they, it's disguised. With a Dutch, don't disguise the kick. They you know full intention we're gonna kick, but the kick is so powerful when they open their hips up. If it ever lands, it's just damaging. So, in a sense, it's a little bit more telegraphed, but no matter what, it's like being hit with a baseball bat. Exactly. That's what it is. That's a big difference. The Dutch style is a lot more telegraphed, but a lot more the result of the hit a lot more powerful. That makes sense, man. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. You know, I never thought about it that way, and I've always wondered what the difference was because, I mean, they're both amazing. But, yeah, thank you for telling me that, dude. Now, next up, you took on Matt Brown, and I mean, one doesn't simply fight three rounds with Matt Brown in a stand-up fight. Now, that was a close decision. It could have gone either way, but still, man, you know, win or lose to fight another warrior like Matt Brown for 15 minutes. What was that experience like? It was awesome, man. I thought I maybe maybe won that fight, but I wasn't sure, man. I mean, congratulations Matt Brown beating beat me in that fight, but it was a hell of a war, man. Matt Brown, he He's a he's a banger, bro. That that dude can bang. Cause I call him a few times. He called me a few times. We did some tie clinching. I took him down. He took me down. It, it was a fight, man. It was one of those fights like you have to get your hats off because I know I could bang. He could bang too, and he been knocking people out. You know, so I mean, I, I was impressed. I was highly impressed, man. And you know, he fought for the world title. And I thought I thought he was gonna win that fight, but man, he, he could bang, dude. It was one of those fans like man, like wow. You you can only have a respect for a guy after exchanging blood and tears on a fight like that. Yeah, and I mean, again, as a fan, you know, you and Matt Brown, those are the kind of fighters I like to watch. And let me ask you this. Matt Brown's fighting uh, Jake Ellenberger in my hometown in ATL. Who you got in that fight? Oh, honestly, I'm going to have to go with Matt Brown, man. No disrespect to Ellenberger. I fought them both. You know, I think Ellenberger is a way better wrestler. But Ellenberger uh, likes to strike. He likes to fight into a striking story, then then wrestle you. Um, if he starts to strike with um, Matt Brown, I don't think he can hang with Matt Brown. I was able to hang with Matt Brown, but uh, when when Ellenberger got hit by me, because he thought he didn't respect my strike until he got hit. Once he got hit, he started wrestling me, right? and that's where he, he he beat me in the fight. But what happened with Ellenberger? He always challenges the people striking. 
I, I know Albert. What he's going to do is going to go in the fight and try to trade with uh, Matt Brown. Bad idea. If he goes to that fight like that, I got Matt Brown on the way because you can't trade with Matt Brown. Matt Brown will will hurt you. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, as long as Ellenberger doesn't catch him with a big shot, I think Matt Brown wins a war of attrition all day. Yeah, I think so, too. And Matt Brown's striking is, is legit, man. Ellenberger, he's a heavy hitter, but he's not as technical as Matt Brown. Well, Matt Brown hits heavy, but very technical, bro. And he'll stay technical and powerful for 15 minutes. Um, Ellenberger, I think he's a stronger wrestler, but once again, I know Ellenberger, he comes in striking hard and then goes to his wrestling. I, 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 if he's going to beat Matt Brown, he has to go pick stick to his wrestling, but he's not going to do that. He's going to come in and try to bang with him. And that's because he's going to try and bang with him. Matt Brown's gonna either going to catch him or uh, be him in nutrition. Yeah, I want to see uh, what happens if Matt Brown puts him in that clinch. You know what I mean? Because you, you know firsthand that clinch is no joke. It's no goat, man. I clinched with some of the best people in the world, and Matt Brown has a legit clinch. Has a legit clinch. Um, he did a nice sweep to me on, on the clinch, and um, I got back. I did that sweep to him, but his clinch is legit. It's, it feels like a tie Warriors clinch, man. So Ellenberger has good wrestling, but if you try to clinch with him, oh my goodness, it could be a bad night for Ellenberger. But you know, hopefully, hopefully Ellenberger's strategy is a little bit smarter than going in trying to bang with him. But if he does, if he tries to bang with Matt Brown, I see Matt Brown victorious. Yeah, I feel you on that, man. So, I mean, you do what a champion does. You clawed your way back up to the UFC. You knocked out a bunch of dudes. And they weren't cans either. I mean, you knocked out Brett Chisholm, who, you know, he's knocked out a lot of good dudes in, where I'm from in Atlanta. So, you come back. You take on Uriah Hall at middleweight in Boston. First of all, how good was it to return in Boston, man? That was the best fight of my life, bro. Let me tell you, because all my life I want to fight in, in the UFC Boston. I was to show my, my family, my fans, all my people in my hometown to come to my hometown, you know, arena. The, the, I call it the, the Fleet Garden and all that. I call it the Boston Garden. So the fight inside of the Boston Garden, you know, it was awesome, man. Um, it, it, it was it was the best feeling in the world, man. And fight your right hole. That was a good fight, man. He's, he, he's a heavy hitter, man. But once again, man, when we start banging, man, he discovered that the way I hit, it's like a, a heavy tie fighter. And the one thing he said to me is like, bro, you have some heavy kicks, bro. I thought I'll kick you. I was like, our whole plan was to take your legs out, man, because we know you have flashy legs. But we knew if you if you did, if you let me lay into him, that it would stop your mobility. And that's how we beat him, man. We just stopped his mobility by heavy kicks, bro. But yeah, it was it was an awesome fight, bro. Yeah, even though Uriah is a very technical guy, I do think that you know the basics beat the flash all day, and you showed that in that fight. Yeah, that's what it was, man. It, we, our whole plan was, listen, he's tall, he's longer, he has some slick stuff, so you can't get slick with him, but you have to be, you have to basis. So the basis was, listen, we have to start with the legs. So the whole plan with the fight, if you see the fight, was to start with the legs, start the legs. And second round, once his legs start to give out, that's why I was able to take him down, and that's why I was able to like, get my hooks in and do myself. Because I just stuff his legs. His legs is amazing. This dude could do a backflip, like a 360 kick. It was amazing. So we were scared that if we let him give, if we give him his legs the whole fight, he could spin a kick or do some crazy stuff. So we took his legs out. But once we saw him limping his legs, we, we went for it. We went for the kill. So, dude, in that first round, when he threw that spin kick and it flew over your head, I mean, could you feel the velocity he was throwing that with? Was that like a, a holy shit moment? Dude, I felt the wind. I was like, oh, shit. Let me tell you something. The whole training camp, we trained. We bought in Twakondo specialists, uh, karate specialists, K1 specialists. I threw a spinning kick. 
that's all we trained and stuck in that kick. So we knew we, we the whole training plan was to avoid that kick at all costs. Either step out or or really or just look get out the way. So that was the whole plan. But once he missed a kick, and which I and once I knew his timing, I was like, all right, I gotta beat his legs. If you watch that fight, my whole plan was to beat his legs. Then second round, I start catching his body, and then third round, I start catching hooks with him. But it, I had to beat him from the from the floor up there. That was the only way to beat him. And unfortunately, the the, the game plan was implemented right, and we got. And there you go, man. And I mean, obviously, when you're in the cage, it's different than being a fan. But you did receive a lot of criticism for some of the high fiving in that fight. How do you respond to that? First of all, well, man. Um, you are Hall is a true martial artist, man. He's a karate man. I think he's a black belt karate and all kinds of different arts. But when you have a true martial artist and y'all begging and y'all feel each other's power, of course you respect each other. You know? There was criticism, yeah, but you don't understand. When you feel two powerful people going back to back, you have to respect that because he thought he was going to outstrike me. And uh, once he felt my power, he had nothing respect. And I had nothing respect for him because I knew about his power. So that's what, that's what really happened, man. It's funny, like, yeah. People make jokes like, uh, like uh, you know, that that movie, um, Step Brothers. Like, yeah. oh, did we just the best friends? Like that kind of happened in the fight, honestly, because we both played second. We both had the same same stuff we into, man. And that's what we honestly did after the fight. I think we linked up and played second for a few hours. Oh yeah. Fact, we fought, yeah, we fought in the same card a year later, uh, six months later, and that <laughs> that fight card we played second. <laughs> so it was crazy, man. I mean, we became good friends, man. He comes to Boston here and there. Get to me out, we hang out. So it's good people's man, but it was a good experience. That's what's up, man. That you guys became friends after. So uh, did you beat him in Tekken too? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I did beat him. <laughs> there you go, man. Yeah. So, dude, you took on CR, and you know a lot of people don't know about CR, but uh, CR comes to fight. CR is experienced. And uh, that was a hell of a fight again, man. You know, do you think uh, that big takedown you landed, that big slam, do you think that was the difference? Or what, what, what do you think was the difference in that fight? Because, I mean, that dude can bang. It was the, it was the takedown, man. Um, I think CR didn't know how strong I really was. And when I picked up over my, him over my head and walked him over to my corner the way I did and slammed him, I think he was shocked because he, he was thinking, okay, if he couldn't beat me in striking the tie clinch, but once I picked him up on my head, I think that diminished him. Um, CR hits heavy, bro, and he has a heavy hit. I cut that dude with so many left hooks, and he did not go down, so it was impressive. But my speed was a factor, and my strength was a factor. And my jiu-jitsu, me having, my opinion, a little better wrestling jiu-jitsu, that's what being in the fight. But I think that slam was the factor because he didn't know how necessarily strong it was. He thought it was like a pure striker. And once he felt his physical strength I possessed, he was just shocked. And then right from there, you can see the fight just dry down. And what he tried to do is he tried to get me into a, uh, a slug war. I was like, no, 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 buddy. No, you're not beating that way. We're, 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 we're staying technical. That was actually one of the first fights in a long time. I had to be real technical. I had to respect that kid's power. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you about that, man. I mean, you know, because you're known for your striking. You love the Muay Thai. How do you put your pride aside, you know, for those uh, 15 minutes and say, hey, I'm going to take this dude down where I have the advantage? Oh, you have to, man. This is what really happened. When I hit him with a left hook clean and he didn't wobble, I was like, whoa. <laughs> I know my left hook is one of the most powerful left hooks out there. And he didn't, he didn't flinch. It, it hit him and he kept going forward. I was like, whoa. This kid could take some punishment. So I knew the striking wasn't the place to beat him. 
The place where Bean was on the ground, and that was the secondary plan to take him to the ground and beat him there. You know, I want to strike with him. Um, and what people don't know, he in his country, he's a world champion in kickboxing. He's one of the best. Most of his opponents he knocked out. So, and I think he went to K1 and became a, a champion, won a belt there uh, and, um, as a striker, too. So he's a legit, like, high-level kickboxer. So we knew by his striking. Um, but the plan was to, to stay and bang with him, and if we needed to take him down, that that. Thank God we planned that because that was the reason why I won the fight is the takedown and the slam. Out of all the dudes you fought, does CR hit the hardest? Yeah, man. I don't know how he hit so hard, bro, but this kid hits hard, dude. He caught me with a punch, and I looked at him. I couldn't believe the power he possesses because the way he throws is so successful. He doesn't wind up. He doesn't. He, he's real. He gets real flat-footed. And then when you think you're out of angle, he just catches you with so much power and velocity. It's insane, bro. I, I don't get how that kid is not that big, but he hits with some serious power, bro. It's impressive. Yeah, man. And uh, he's actually fighting um, this guy, Claudio Silva, next. Have you heard of Claudio? He's like one of those, uh, he's a short Brazilian grappler. You know what I mean? Short and stocky. Yeah, I know Claudio. I saw him fighting for a Um I think Sion's jiu-jitsu is improving, and he just did bring a batch, man. He submitted him with a, um, a triangle choke, man, with um, not, uh, uh, arm triangle choke. And that's impressive. So I think I know he's working on jiu-jitsu. Uh, if he could uh, diminish the takedown, I see him win the fight. The only thing that worries me about the fight of him losing is the takedown. Because this, the Brazilian kid has a good jiu-jitsu, and he, he's a freaking uh, monster on the ground. But... He has to get CR to the ground. I don't think CR can be easily take down. After after the way he experienced me, a striker like me, be able to take him down. I don't think he's gonna allow that happen again. But we never know. But I, I think um, I see CR with a knock on that fight because that kid hits really hard. Well, I hope your prediction is true, my friend, because, again, that card is in my hometown, so I'd love to see CR get his hand raised. Now, next up, man, this fight sucked to watch, that Ryan LaFleur one, because the ref should have called that shit a DQ. I know you wanted to continue because you're a tough warrior and, you know, it is what it is. But for me on the sidelines, I was like, ref, come on, dude. Like, uh, you, one doesn't simply continue after getting a uh, nut punted like that. And you, you went on uh, to fight the next two rounds real tough. But, I mean, what what was it in you that made you continue, man? Because, I mean, that was, uh, that was a life changer right there. Honestly, man, to tell you the truth, I was pissed. I took it personal. That's why I kept fighting, man. I take that personal, man, because I don't care what you said. I watched that fight over the grill. Ryan, I mean, the way he needed, he did, it, it, it just wasn't my cup, dude. It was my dick, my balls. I had to go, I, mean, I, I thought I needed surgery. I had to go to the hospital. They had to push my balls. That was the worst feeling, man. I mean, thank God I got three kids already, man, because <laughs> I But he broke my cup. It was bad, Damn, bro. Son. It was bad. It was one of those cases where it was bad. I mean, it was it was bad. Oh my! I was having nightmares because of that, bro. It was like being man raped or something. I don't know how to describe it to you, bro. But people were like, "Why did you keep going?" I was like, "Because I took a person. I was pissed. The the father, the the athlete in me, you know, the smart person in me was was like, you know what? Maybe you should stop. You really hurt." But the freaking the warrior was like, "No." It was like, "Fuck that, bro. You gonna hit me in my fucking dick? You know, enough for nothing. I mean, come on, yo. What, what fight is like?" It was accidental, I wonder, but you, he straight knee my dick into my stomach, bro. Fuck him. You know what I'm saying? And I would like to get that match back. And if I match, I might dick punch him. That's hurt. I hurt it, bro. 
I heard, dude, I was in the back room crying after that shit, bro. He made me cry. Like, that really fucking sucked, dude. And the only reason why I kept going because I was pissed. Maybe I should have bowed out, but I'm, the, the, pro- the problem is with my pride, I'm just kind of a bitch. I'm not, when stuff, when, when things get going hard, I don't bow. I'm not a bitch like that. I don't bitch out. You know, and maybe I should have, but I didn't because, you know, I was pissed. I took that personal. That was a personal hit, bro. Like, then he's like, oh, come on, you can keep fighting. I'm like, dude. Did you see what you did to my dick? You fucking asshole. Oh, my God. Oh, man. So, to this day, is that still the fight you want to get back the most? You're damn right I want to get that fight, though. You dick fucking name. Oh, my God, dude. That, anybody who saw that fight keep seeing all the way. How did you keep going? I was like, I don't remember how I kept going. I was pissed. I was It, it was rage because at first I was like, oh, I can't move. I can't move. Then I looked at him. I looked at his face, and he smirked. That pissed me off so much. I was like, fuck this. I said, I'm going to lose this fight, but I'm fucking this dude up. That's why I kept going, bro. And I didn't get the result I wanted, but fuck that, dude. I, I had to know that. Yeah, you caught me in the balls. Yeah, but I'm not a bitch. But yeah, I, would think, I would like to get that fight back. Know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and don't be surprised. I didn't punch him with my left foot to be like, murder that fucking shit. Yeah, I hope you have kids because you won't have no one, none no more. That sucked, dude. That really <laughs> sucked, dude. I mean, I never forget that, yo. I don't cry for most fights, but God damn. It wasn't because I lost. It's because my dick hurt, bro. I couldn't have sex for a long time. And, oh, man, you don't know what the shit I went through over that. Fuck him. Wait yeah. till I, like, dude. And I seen him, like, oh, he was like, oh, you think I'm scared of you? I'm like, no, dude. I want a rematch. I didn't say you scared of me. I thought I want a rematch. You fucking dick raped me. That's how you beat me. You didn't beat me from skill. You hit my dick. I said, let me fucking full fledged kick you in your dick. And give you a five minutes and let's see if you can keep fighting. At least I, at least I was man enough to keep fighting. You were enough. True that, man. Yeah. So hopefully one day, you know, hopefully one day before it's all said and done, you guys get to settle things, man. Because it would be nice to see you. Uh, it would be poetic justice to see a nice knockout. Next up, you took on Ebersol, and you know that wasn't the doomsday I'm used to, man. Were you injured in that fight? You know that I, I, I actually expected a little more in that fight. I'm not gonna bullshit you. What happened there? I thought I had the fight, man. I was laying into him. I had the. I thought I, I, was, I was doing more damage. He, maybe he had more hits. I had more damage. And at the end of the round, he was running away from me. He really. I was more engaged, so I was trying to be a scientist at that fight. You know, the people say he took my back the first round, but I took his back the second round, and I dominated him the second round. And I, I was going forward, man. He wasn't engaging. That's what pissed me about the fight. That fight, the reason why I, I, I kept I kept it the way I kept it because I dominated the center of, of the cage, and he did not engage. I was the engager, and they gave him the fight. You know, and I was doing more damage. I was hitting with cracking leg kicks, but he was running. So I was like, all right, well, you're running. Okay, well, it's obvious that you don't want to fight, you know, and they gave him the fight. So I was like, all right. I mean, not, not to disrespect the other, so after the fight, we bowed to each other, like, more time stuff so, because he's a tie fighter, I'm a tie fighter. I just felt I was being more scientifical, but what people have to understand, the reason why I was doing that because, you know, after I look at Flair fight, I'm thinking, damn, I'm getting screwed. I get kneed in the dick. I don't get a call. I don't get a DQ call. Okay, not, not only a DQ call, I don't get a point taken off. They didn't play, take a point off, and they yeah. give him the fight, so I was pissed about that. So now I'm like, you know what? I have to fight smarter, you know, because, you know, it's obviously what's going on, so I had to, you know, be smarter, and... Me trying to be smarter, I got I got screwed over. So I mean, it was probably it was probably my fault anyway. But I was trying to be too smart and I fight too cautious, and that was a result of that. <laughs> Do you feel like you learned a good lesson there? Yes and no, man. Because the 
it's a scary thing. You don't know what the judge is looking for. I don't know sometimes the judges are they looking for um, dominate points, a dominate factor, I hit one two times. You don't know. And then what you don't know the situation because here's the thing. If I get hit in the balls, you know, now I'm at the point like damn, if I get hit in the balls or something like that, I don't I don't get a DQ, I don't get a point ticket though. So now I gotta protect myself. Think about it. Someone hits you in the balls like that, you don't get a you don't get a DQ. Okay, but you don't get a point taken away. Anybody who got hit in the in the balls like that at least got a point or two taken away. I didn't get that. So now I have to be cautious. I have to protect myself. Yeah, I feel you, man. It, it definitely seems like the kind of fight where it would affect you in your next fight, as you, as you mentioned. And I mean, I yeah, like I said earlier, dude, I was pissed that you didn't win by DQ or he didn't get a point taken off. That was definitely some bullshit. But it is what it is, man. Right? You move on. Yeah, you move on, man. Like I said, man, I, I'm the way my life is, man. I had a hard life growing up, and stuff like that. It's just when the tough gets going and going, you get tough, and you keep going forward, man. And and if I have, go look at the fight, once the fight came, the smart side of me says, you know, I should have freaking, you know, been been accepted defeat. But you know what? This is a DQ. I'm too in too much pain. But the problem, the Spartan or the the warrior me was like, now fuck that. You know, go on your shield or come back with it. You know, that's that's my attitude, and that's why I kept fighting. And I like I, I gotta let the fans know. Listen, I was in so much pain when I kept fighting with Flair. I was still in pain. The problem is, is my pride, I'm a prideful guy. My pride, the way I is, if I'm at the feet, if I keep my, if I can keep breathing, if I get, I still have air in my lungs. If I'm still visible, awake, I'm still fighting. That's my problem. I don't know when to stay quick. Yeah, man. I mean, again, that's why the fans love you. And I mean, you took on Lorenz, and you know, it didn't go your way, but at least, like you mentioned. You went out like a like a true warrior does, you know. Go out on your shield like like a real man. And I mean, Lorenz is a dude that he's a former two hundred five er. You know, this is not some uh, small dude. This is some big ass motherfucker, and he's explosive as fuck at one seventy. And you know, it is what it is. Uh, I mean, was it scary at all that that was your first time truly getting stopped, or was it just kind of like, hey, you know, you stand and bang, it's fifty fifty. Yeah, it's a reality check. It's just you stand up, you get hit, you get knocked out. You sometimes you don't. That's what it is, man. What, I mean, what can you do, man? I mean, that's that's the life, man. That's the chance you take. But at least I can say I got stopped. He caught me with a nice punch, man. It started well, and he caught me real good. He followed up, and that's what happens, man. It, there's nothing you could do. So I can't. There's nothing. There's no excuse there. There's no bullshit there. No respect for lens, you know that that he, he's legit. So I, I was impressive. Yeah, man, it was. And, I mean, you rebounded like a true champion. Not only did you take on Cajal Pendry, but a lot of people got to understand. I mean, we'll talk about the environment in a second. You know, it was it was UFC 189. It was mostly Irish people there. But this guy, Cajal, he's known for winning these close decisions. I mean, if you're going to fight Cajal, you, you usually got to finish the guy because if you go to the scorecards with him, you know, chances are he's going to get the victory for whatever reason. He keeps on winning all those close decisions, and you went out there and you were the guy that got the decision over him. And honestly, obviously, we all thought you should have won uh, unanimous, but still, to get a decision over a guy who's known for winning those close decisions, how good was that? That was awesome, man. That was awesome because if you see, if you see my face, when it's his split decision, I'm like, yep, here we go. I knew I lost, and I was like, yo, I just lost. So I was like, <laughs> but, like, that was, that was a good fight. I think the reason why I got this decision you know and i agree i should have been unanimous um because i got the takedown he didn't his whole gun was a, his whole game plan was to take me down 
you know, and I, I just punched him for every time he got close to me. I punched him. I kicked him. I punched him. And then when the, the respect, everybody was surprised, I took him down. You know, that's what it was, man. But he said to me, he was like, yo, a lot stronger than you look. I was like, yeah, I, I, I mostly get that a lot. <laughs> but honestly, Cajal is a big dude. He's a big welterweight, man. And let me tell you something. When I saw him across that cage and saw how big he was, I was like, oh, shit. Let me tell you something. Cajal had to be at least 205 for in that fight. He was huge. Oh, man. When I clipped him, I was like, this dude is huge. I don't know what he's eating or what mutant stuff they're doing, but holy crap, Cajal was huge as shit. I was like, well, I'm just going to bang this out as possible. And, you know, I was I was fortunate enough to get the victory. I mean, even we were sweating bullets. Like, oh, decision, oh, we might, we might lose this one. And when they said my name, man, I was so excited. I was like, yes, there we go. So why do, you, why do you think he does win those close decisions? You know, because for the people watching at home, you know, it, it is kind of ugly, but actually being in there with him is a completely different story. I mean, the guy is so gritty. He's so rugged. I mean, is he deceptively strong as well? He's really strong. Yo, that kid is strong, dude. Like, when he went to take me down, every single time he went to take me down, I had to use all my strength to, to negate that, bro. Like, there's a few times I kind of almost, like, I have good cardio. There's a few times I halfway gassed out stopping his takedown, bro. Like, he is strong, dude. Like, I had, I had a clinch on him, okay, and I was, like, going in on him. And, bro, I couldn't break it. I really had to hit him so everything I got. As a matter of fact, not only he's gritty, I caught him with a body shot. There's a frame, there's a picture out there, there's a frame freeze. The body shot broke his wrist. It broke it, bro. You see it clearly broken, okay? They freezed it. Okay, and he kept going. I looked at him like, yo, I just broke. I know I broke something. You are still here? Holy shit, this dude's a monster, dude. Like, he's like, nothing, nothing, you know. Y'all can say he sucked with over. That kid is a, he's a juggernaut strong dude, man. I mean, if he can I know he retired early, man, because of his, his situation, but nothing, nothing. That kid is strong and he's adorable. Yeah, and I mean, you've been in there with uh, all the best guys in the world, so for you to give him that kind of compliment, I mean, like we said, it's no joke in there. No, it's no joke. People, that's what people don't understand. Like, like, if you make it to the UFC, you're legitly there, man. I mean, you could be, uh, any given day, you could be a champion. You could be, you get a phone call, listen, you want to fight a champ? Oh, okay, and you could be the champion because you're on that level, man. You know, and the people don't understand, it might not look so entertaining outside, but when you inside with a monster like that, oh, it, it, it's different. Specifically, I'm telling you, I caught that kid with some serious damage, and I was shocked, man. I mean, I knew I could win a clean body shot, a clean body shot, and it, he kept going. I could not believe that, bro. And as a matter of fact, it was so clean that after the fight, you could see the picture, the lump, the swell, the swell of his body because I think his rib was broken. But he didn't, he didn't like, it didn't phase him. You wouldn't, wouldn't know him, bro. That's crazy to me, bro. Like that. Like I, I hit some heavyweights with body stuff like that and dropped him. He kept going. I was highly impressed. <laughs> yeah, he's a very tough dude. Now let me ask you this. Obviously, now you know you've been at one seventy and one eighty five, both those weight classes for a very long time. But back when you first started your career, was there ever a thought of fighting at one fifty five? Because you are five seven. There was a thought. The problem is I can't make that weight, man. I, I tried, man. Honestly, um. I'm not going to say that. Here's, here's what I'm doing. I'm watching Tiago Alves, okay, because he's going to 155. And I put it out there already. If he can make 155, 
I might try it, but with this, is if, if that's the case, I'm going to call Tiago or listen, man, we probably going to have to fight each other, but let me know what the fuck you doing so I can start doing that shit to make 155 because I'm a big dude. I walk around like 210, 215. That's my natural weight. I'm short, but I'm like thick. You know, I'm a thick dude, like big neck and all that. So making 185, easy. 170, that's a struggle as possible. 155, I tried it once and almost killed myself. So I want to know what the secret is. And I want to see if he does it. If he makes 155, I'm giving him a phone call. I'm going to listen to whoever you're using, nutritionist and all that. I need to know because if you can do it, then I can do it because Tiago's a big dude. So I'm serious. If he make, make weight, I, I'm, I'm making phone calls. <laughs> My body structure, even when I'm 170, the body frame I have is still is the two, 215 body frame. So it's like, there's no way, bro. Like, there's no way, because honestly, when I first started fighting, I was a 205er. I only had to cut 10 pounds, but I was pretty solid. You know, I was like, I went to 185, and I eventually went to 170, right? And making 170 was, that was the worst experience in my whole life, bro. Oh, my God. My first 170 cut, oh, my God. I was crying. <laughs> I was in the sauna, bro. They had to fucking throw ice on me. I passed out. It was bad, bro. Holy shit. I could do it now, but... When I first made 170, it was it was so terrible. I made it, bro. And I barely made. I made 171. I never forget that. It was barely. Dude. They had to carry me to the fucking weigh-in. It was bad, bro. The first time I made 170. Holy Damn. shit! But I did it though. Damn, son, that's serious shit. Well, that's that's good, man. I mean, that's good that you stuck at 170 because 55 sounds like it wouldn't have been a good option for you. And I mean, is this current fight that you're fighting at World Series of Fighting? Is this at 70 or 85? It's 85, man. Um, I was supposed to fight Tiago Miller. He pulled up. I'm fighting, and then I got Michael. Sorry, my God, I'm only last name, bro. And then I'm, I got so much stress on my name. No disrespect, but he, he no. Thank God he took a fight. He's a welterweight, but we we decided to fight away to fight at 185. So it was pretty good, man. So I don't have to kill myself cutting weight right now. I'm 195, so I only got 10 pounds. You know, and a lot of people don't understand. They're like, oh, how do you feel going up a weight class? I'm like, well. I'm okay with it because I want to get that much weight. People forget, people literally forget, like, listen, yeah, I'm a short guy, but I'm still a thick guy. You know, I still got 10 pounds to cut. You know, I still got, I still got to see a son on freaking Thursday, Thursday, um, Thursday, I'm um, during, um, for the weight cut, you know, so it's like, right now I get on the scale on 195. So that's, that's a big deal. The only difference is I don't have to kill myself in the, in the sun like I usually do. But yeah, man, like, he's a welterweight man. And he fought some UFC vets, man, and he's a good fighting show notice. So props to him, man, man. I know he's going to come in. It's going to be a good fight, man. Oh, yeah. Mad Mike's no slouch. You know, he's actually experienced. Like you said, he has fought some UFC guys before. He's taking the fight on short notice. So, I mean, obviously you're not underestimating him, but are we expecting a, a knockout victory or a victory by any means necessary? Uh, victory by any means necessary. I'm not, I'm not going there looking for a knockout. I'm not going, I'm not going there. I'm still expecting a 15-minute war. Uh, people are letting this kid off like, you know, he's some slouch. He fought some legit people and beat some legit people, man. So I can't round him off. You know, I still have the. He still gives me the same nerves. He still. I still have to respect him, man. And I'm still training my ass off as we speak, man. So I'm still ready, man. I mean, if he's taking a fight, he believes he could beat me. So that being said, man, I have to be there all game, and I'm ready, man. I'm ready. I'm still training. I'm ready. And I respect him, you know, because I know he could bang me. He has good striking, good jiu-jitsu. He's been around, man. He trained with some of the best guys in the world. And he beats some of the best songs, so I gotta be ready, man. So I'm ready to stand and bang. I'm expecting a, t a 15 minute war, honestly. Yeah. So you pumped to fight this Friday? 
I'm pumped, man. I'm ready, man. It's been a long time, man. Uh, not a long time, but it's been some time, man, you know, since my loss. But I, I didn't want to prove to the world that I'm still relevant. And I'm going to come back, and hopefully everything goes my way um, Friday night, man. So I'm excited, and I can't wait, brother. Yeah, definitely, man. Do you feel like you took the right amount of time off? Yeah, I, I, I think I did, man. Um, I went to the doctors. I have no concussion, no problem like that. And people understand, you get knocked out, come back. You can't get knocked out and just be depressed by it. You, you got to... Like I said, you got to be man, man. But you know what? Sometimes you lose some. Sometimes you, you, you win some. That's it. When, when Lorenz knocking me out, bro, that was a hard fight. But I came back from that, and I could come back from t- 10 knees knocking me out. So I'm ready, man. I'm always ready, and I can't wait to bang. There you go, man. Well, you're coming back this Friday, World Series of Fighting. Can't wait to watch you fight. John, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle, man. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me, brother. Absolutely. And anything you want to plug, uh, now's the time, bro. World up. Thank you to uh, Tyson Chadia, uh, Sick Tatan, Mark Delegati, uh, uh, Mac 10, uh, Twerk, which is my sponsorship, all my other sponsors of uh, uh, Savino, uh, um, Andreas, Andy, FAF, um, all y'all. I'm sorry, I can't thank you right now, y'all, because I am cutting away from a halfway dump. Um, so, uh, hit me up on Twitter, John Doomsday Twitter, John Doomsday Howard MMA on Facebook, John Howard on Facebook, John Doomsday Howard on IG, and always, yo, here comes the doom. Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, and joining me on this very special edition of Half the Battle is Stevie Ray. Stevie, welcome to Half the Battle, man. Thanks for having me, mate. Absolutely, it's my pleasure. So, dude, let's get right into it. You're taking on Jake Matthews the night before UFC 200, and uh, we all know what the deal is with this guy. He's got a lot of heart, he's super athletic, and sometimes his athleticism makes up for his technique. So, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, I'd say Jake's a tough guy. He's an up-and-coming guy, similar to me. Um, 4-1 and in the UFC. Uh, I'm 3 and oh. And, yeah, it's just basically a good fight for both of us. Um, with the, the winner looking to become the next kind of biggest prospect. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a good fight. I think uh, I think he'll bring out the best in me. Because um, my first three fights, uh, I've kind of walked, not walked through them, but it's not been that much of a challenge in my three fights in the UFC so far, so I think uh, this one will bring out the best of me and I'll be able to let the fans see what I'm capable of. Yeah, Jake comes to fight every single time, man, but obviously you're a lot more experienced than him. You're a little bit older. Do you think your experience is going to be a big factor in this fight? Um, Yeah, it could be. I mean, I'm used to being on... Um, I've, I've fought on uh, big shows even before the UFC and I feel like that's why um, I've not had any UFC jitters um, stuff like that you get some guys that sort of fight on small shows or pad their records to try and get to the UFC and then um, and then they didn't last there very long whereas I've been Bama champion Cage Warriors champion and uh, not took the short road there took the long road and now I'm here to stay. Oh yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up. I mean, obviously you're a two-time Cage Warriors world champion, a Bama world champion. So you got all that experience under your belt before you made your UFC debut. You know what it's like to face defeat and overcome <coughs> adversity and come back and get back in the win column. So how invaluable was that experience for you before you made your UFC debut? 
Yeah, I mean, I've kind of seen it all, done it all, um, and I'm still, you know, I, I, as, although I'm experienced, I'm still young. I feel like I'm uh, probably still not even hit my prime. Uh, so, so yeah, it's all good. Feel, feel I mean, like I said, I, I didn't get jitters um, or anything like that in the UFC. Um, I just felt like it was a, another fight. My my debut, I took on 15 days notice, and to be honest, it didn't feel any different to walking out and fighting on Cage Warriors, so it just felt the same. That's good to hear, man. Yeah, you, you're speaking about your debut and that you took on 15 days short notice. You take on Marcin Bandel. This is a guy that's known for his leg locks, his heel hooks. We all know the deal with those leg lock guys. You know, if they don't get their leg lock, they break. But for you, you know, with, with a lot of guys, they would have circled around the ring and, you know, gotten back up. If he tried to pull a guard with you, you were totally cool, you know, playing inside his guard and beating him at his own game. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I almost submitted him a few times as well. Uh, I think I nearly got a, rear, a sort of weird rear naked choke, a head and arm triangle at the end of the first round. Um, so at the end of the first, I felt comfortable. And uh, yeah, I've kind of beat him at his own game. And then even at, even when I fought Mafra at yeah. Scotland, you know, he was known for the, the knockout artist, the striker, and I knocked him out. So you could say I'm beating them all at their own games. Yeah, no, absolutely. So let's start with Bandel. I mean, at the end of that first round, you get that arm triangle, and could you hear him gurgling? Because, I mean, a couple seconds left, and you would have got that for sure. Yeah, he was saved by the bell, 100%. Um, I think I think even if it was a little bit later, he would have tapped. Um, I think hearing the knock, the 10-second knock, probably gave him that extra little bit of energy to sort of pull it through. But, yeah, it was close. But, I mean, in that second round, did you feel bad at all that you were fighting a, a broken man or, or what? Uh, he kind of lost the fight himself for it. I mean, he dropped back for a leg lock and gave me the mount. So I punished him for it. Um, gave him some heavy shots with, with my left hand. Um, I know that there's not a lot of people that can take those big shots. So I felt him, I felt him break and I kind of looked at the ref. I, I felt a little bit bad. Uh, beating him up so much because uh, I feel like the ref could have saved him a sore face a little bit. But <laughs> yeah, he definitely could have, man. Was. So you take on Leonardo Mafra in your very next fight, and this one's in Scotland, right? So this you got to fight in the UFC in Scotland. So before we talk about the fight itself, how cool was that for you? Yeah, it's a, an experience I'll never forget. Um, no matter what happens with my UFC, you know, you know I'll always be proud that I knocked a, I knocked a, a knockout artist out in the first round at, uh, my, my, uh, at UFC Scotland, and yeah, just made the crowd go crazy and uh, yeah, gave me goosebumps walking out. Even thinking about, it still gives me goosebumps. Uh, like thirteen thousand Scottish fans going crazy after a knockout, so knocked him out. So all good. And it must have been really nice getting that performance of the night. I know it was because for a lot of guys, if they would have gotten that bonus in Scotland, they'd have to pay a bitch of taxes, you know, to take it back to the U.S. But for you, you're from Scotland, so it probably wasn't that big of a deal, right? Yeah, exactly. That was it was all good. Uh, I still got a hefty tax bill at the end of the year, but yeah, it's still good. Still good getting that bonus, though. So. 
There you go, man. So speaking of beating dudes at their own game, like we said, you stood up and banged with Leonardo Mafra, and it's interesting because he tried to kick you a couple too many times. You know, the first two times, he got those kicks in, but then when he went to the well one too many times, that's when you countered him with that beautiful right hook, and, uh, you know, he was wobbling all over the place. And it's interesting because with a guy like that who is known as a brawler, when you have a guy like him hurt, you got to be super careful, but you had zero objection to going in there and finishing him. Yeah, I mean, I still had my guard up, and I knew that when I hurt him, I, that I was want, you know, I was going in for the finish. I knew, I knew he was hurt. I seen him do the chicken dance, um, and yeah, I was going in for the kill. So I was kind of keeping my guard up, being careful, but and then going in swinging big, big left hands because I knew as soon as that left hand hit him, um, there's no way he's kind of taking it. And then, yeah, I landed it. He went down against the cage, and then it was all over. Were you surprised that he was throwing back at you when he was, like, doing that chicken dance? Uh, I mean, obviously, he's got to throw back. I was quite... His game plan must have been to throw kicks, like, try and throw kicks a lot, but you're not wanting to be throwing kicks when you're rocked. You know, you want to be keeping your stance and a good a good base, but he was still throwing kicks um, close in when I'm trying to land bombs, so... But, I mean, he was rocked, so he was probably in, uh, what do you call it, when he's in... Uh, Queer Street? Yeah, yeah, he was just kind of <laughs> bumped the floor, and his body was just reacting. Yeah, absolutely, man. And it's also, would you agree with this, it's probably not the best idea to throw a lot of kicks to a southpaw? Um, I don't know. Uh, then he threw a lot of kicks against me, I would say, because I'll... <laughs> I'll put you on your butt. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, man. So you take on Mikel Labu in your next fight, and dude, that guy is tough as hell. You had a very clean performance. You know, you basically lit him up for three rounds, but the guy has zero quit in him. Were you surprised by his toughness? Uh, no, I, I knew he would be tough, but to be honest, I did think I would be able to finish him. Uh, I don't think he's ever been finished. Um, and uh, and the, I can't remember his stats, but... I knew that he had been to the decision a lot and there's not a lot of people that had finished him if there was anyone that had finished him. Um, so I knew it was going to be, it could potentially be a three-round fight. Um, but yeah, I, I never really got out of first gear in that fight. I just, you know, I was hitting, moving, trying hitting, hitting him and trying not to get hit. And then I was winning the rounds, I was comfortable, so I didn't, have, I didn't change anything up uh, because I was winning. So grinded them out. When you uh, picked him up and slammed him at the end of that third round, I mean, was that just a little formality? I mean, I bet that made you smile, dude, because for me, I was like, geez, that was just the icing on the cake, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was only like five seconds to go. I picked him up, and I thought, there's not very much I can do here anyway. You know, if I take him down, I'm not even going to be able to land much grounding pen. So when I picked him up, I, I just kind of thought to myself, I'm going to try and throw him as high as I can. <laughs> so... Or as far as I can. So I just tried to throw him as far as I could. Yeah, that was awesome, dude. And I want to talk about your setback to Butchinger because, you know, obviously that was an incredible fight. It was probably really disappointing for you, but you came back a completely new man. I mean, you, you put on some size, your experience was better. Just everything got better since that fight. So, I mean, what changed for you after that? Because, like I said, I noticed in the tape that you came out a completely different and better fighter after that one. Well, yeah, um, Butchner, I, I feel I, I was winning all three rounds and then I just got caught in the fourth. I was gassed. 
Uh, I didn't know if that was anything to do with it. I wasn't feeling too great that day. I had sickness and diarrhea, but I got caught anyway, so I'm not even going to kind of use that as an excuse. I, I was winning and I gassed, and uh, he got he got the choke. Uh, still haunts me that that loss. I'd love to fight him again and avenge that loss. But uh, yeah, I lost a good guy. I mean, he's done that to a lot of guys where he's been getting beaten. And he's came back and got the win, and I think he's on like a, he's on a huge win streak right now. He's M1 champion, and he's been beating good guys. Uh, I know he beat Mansoor Benuri, uh, not that long ago, defended his title, um, and he's on something like a ten fight win streak since his last loss to Conor McGregor. So, uh, yeah, I lost to a good guy, but. Um, after that, yeah, it's just, I mean, you win or learn is the way the way I see it. Um, I lost then. Uh, my coach started adding more time in jiu-jitsu, so we'd, we were doing more jiu-jitsu, and I mean, I'm just always improving. Um, and yeah, like, just keep always improving, and now now's the time that matters, you know. It doesn't matter so much losing it. I've lost five fights four technically but um, you know everyone loses fights so it's better losing them at the start and then when you get to the place you want to get to you know that's when you want the wins coming in yeah I, I completely agree man and how'd you learn how to wrestle so good because a lot of guys from you know Scotland or Ireland or England they get criticized for the wrestling but for you you, do, you have very good entries to your takedowns you set them up real expertly how'd you learn how to wrestle uh I don't know. Just I, I train at a good a good gym. Uh, I think I'm. I see myself as a sort of athletic guy and learn some stuff, and then obviously training at Dinky Ninja Fight Team. We've got a lot of different people, a lot of pro guys, um, and a few wrestlers and stuff there. And then I, I've made the sacrifice of sort of coming over to TriStar. So I'd imagine that will help. I, I train at TriStar in Montreal. Um, I've done that for the last few years, coming over here and there, picking up things, drilling it at home. So I'd imagine that's helped my wrestling game a lot. And even now, you know, I've been here for about two and a half weeks. I've been doing a lot of drilling with Alex Garcia um, and GSP. Um, so, yeah, I mean, doing drills and uh, stuff with them, it's always going to improve you. What's it like drilling with GSP? Yeah, it's good. I mean, he's a good... GSP is a nice guy. Uh, when I first met him, you know, I was a bit starstruck and stuff, but now I'm used to it. Um, we speak and uh, we drill a lot, we roll a lot, um, and I've worked a few times with him because he's fought some southpaws uh, in the past, Robbie Lawler, Nick Diaz, so just do, doing some entries and drills together. Um, and He's kind of got similar height, and stuff to my opponent, Jake Matthews. GSP is probably a bit bigger than him, but um, yeah, it's all good. Dude, that's uh, that's the best possible training partner to get ready for Jake Matthews. Holy shit, dude. Yeah, yeah, I've been working a lot with him as well, so it's been good. That's good to if, hear. If I, can, if, if, I can, if I can hang in there with George, I'm sure I'll be able to hang in there with Jake. Yeah, no, exactly. And you know, the funniest part about it is you're probably going to be the underdog here, according to the Vegas odds. Yeah, I mean, underdog favorite. 
I've been the underdog plenty of times and came uh, changed that around, but I, I didn't really look at the odds and stuff too much, but I'm just going out to try and take out my opponent, and that's all I'll look at. No, absolutely, man. And I want to talk about one of your past fights. Uh, you took on Nico Musoki. This is a dude that's fought at 185 pounds before. I mean, and you were pretty young in your career back then. What was it like taking on such a bigger opponent? Yeah, well, uh, a lot of my loss, like I've, like I said, I've lost five fights, but technically I've lost four. Um, and like I think two or three of those guys are all big, huge guys. Um, Nicholas Mazzocchi, he's fought in the UFC at welterweight and middleweight. Um, yeah, I fought him back even before I moved to the, my team, the now Dinkin Ninja Fight Team. So I was. I was training at a gym where I probably I was the best guy in the gym and I didn't quite realise that I needed to be training somewhere else but um, yeah and he was much bigger than me and I, I, he just controlled me and lost the fight but it's uh, experiences like that that's led me to you know moving club dropping to 155 and again I learned from it so Absolutely. Yeah. That's all you can do, man. And I mean, you had a trilogy with Kurt Warburton. You guys were one and one. And then in the third fight, you go out there, you drop him with a beautiful straight left, you choke him out. And then you got the call to fight in the UFC. After you dropped him with that straight left and finished him, did you know for a fact, hey, I'm UFC bound? No, I never knew that I would get to the UFC. It even took a while to, you know, I just got kind of a lucky chance with one of the guys getting uh, injured in the. The, I think it was Jason Sago got injured and I stepped in, but uh, no, I never knew. I mean, I was just always taking one fight at a time. I was more just concentrating on getting that win. Like you said, he had beat me way back at the sort of first fight. Um, it was a close fight, so we fought again, and then I, I managed to decision him. So I, I beat him by decision the second time, and then the third time I stopped him. So if you look at even those three fights alone, you see. Well, I lost the first time, then I decisioned them, and then I stopped them. So I, I improved every single time of those fights as well. Yep. Like we mentioned, you are the former Cage Warriors world champion. And was there ever talks of you facing McGregor, or were you both in Cage Warriors at different times in your careers? Uh, he was a cha he was a champion just before me, so um, it was never in talks that I was going to fight him. But I mean. He got signed to the UFC, and then I fought for his belt. So, oh, okay. Um, he got signed to the UFC. His belt went vacant, and then I fought in a four. I I fought in a four-man tournament, and won the belt. So you never know. If he never got signed, then I would maybe be one of the guys that would fight him for the belt. So, well, you still yeah, you never know. You but, you still never know, man. It could happen one day. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. So, Stevie, before we get out of here, man, I need a fight prediction. How's this fight with Jake Matthews going to go down? Um, I, I don't really like picking predictions, really, because I feel like anything can happen. Uh, I like to visualize loads, loads of different things to happen in the fight, being in bad spots, being in good spots. Um, obviously, just me winning in the end. It could, it could be a really tough three-round grindy fight, you know, where... Maybe he's winning, he's winning around, I'm winning around, or 
you just never know, you know. I might. I, I seen me and Mafra when when I was fighting Mafra in Scotland. I really thought that would probably be a a three round war, you know. Me having to really grind it out and uh, use my heart to get the the win, and then I knocked him out in the first round. So you just never know. I feel like I've got the skills to beat Jake anywhere, you know. I feel like I could submit him. I could knock him out or decision him, and he probably feels he can do the exact same to me. I know that he's dangerous on the floor, he's dangerous on the free. Um, so I feel like we're both similar styles, we're both athletic, we're both young, we've both got good striking, we've both got good submission ability. So it's definitely one that the fans are going to want to miss and don't blink either because it, be, it could be a quick finish. Oh yeah, it's going to be one hell of a fight for sure. And the night before you take on Jake Matthews, the lightweight title is on the line. Eddie Alvarez is challenging Rafael Dos Anjos. Who do you see winning that fight and becoming the champion? Uh, I see I see it being a tough fight, but I think yeah, I think Dos Anjos will take that. Uh, Dos Anjos is a beast. Uh, I don't see much people giving him any problems. His striking's uh, second to none. His cardio's looked great. Um, his Brazilian jiu-jitsu is... You know, he's a high-level black belt, so he's all-rounded, and I think he's going to be the champion for probably a long time. Yeah, he's a monster, dude. Well, Stevie, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. Let the audience know where to follow you on social media, and anything else you want to plug, my man, now's the time. Uh, yeah, you can follow me at, uh, it's at Stephen Ray MMA on Twitter and Instagram, and I think I'm... My fan page for Facebook is Stevie Ray UFC or Stephen Ray UFC. Type in on Facebook, you'll you'll see me there. My my fan page. I can't accept any more people on my personal page. So if you want to follow me and follow my fight future and and what I've follow me on all those social medias. Definitely, man. Well, hey, best of luck against Jake, and thanks so much for taking the time, man. Thanks, mate. Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, and joining me on this very special edition of Half the Battle is Juliano Cutano. Juliano, welcome to Half the Battle, man. What's up, my man? How you doing? Doing awesome, man. So, word on the street is you started training BJJ with Daniel Gracie back in the day. Is there any truth to that? Exactly. Um, I started out with Daniel when I was about 16 to 17 years old, um, down in Brazil, in my city, uh... Villa Velha, Espirito Santo. Uh, Daniel was living down there at the time, and uh, you know, a buddy of mine brought me to uh, to his academy, and uh, you know, introduced me to Daniel. Uh, I saw the first class, and then uh, you know, a couple weeks later, I joined it. You know, and then I I could never stay away from it. Oh yeah, man, it's super addictive. Once you start training, you can never stop. And I gotta ask you this: I mean. Are you originally from Brazil, or were you born here in the States, or what, man? Um, yeah, I'm from Brazil. I was born in Brazil, um, city of uh, Rio de Janeiro, um, you know, 1978. So, getting up there. <laughs> and when when did you come to the States? Um, probably, it was. I think it was between 2000 and 2001. That's when I first came to uh, compete the Pan Ams in Orlando, Florida. Okay, and you know what prompted you to make that move? What was the motivation from going to Brazil to the States? 
Well, it has nothing to do with the fighting. Uh, the reason that I came here was because um, down in Brazil, you know, um, I'm I, I always, you know, very dependent. I uh, I had my own business. I used to sell uh, acai fruits in Brazil, and I used to travel, you know, about six to eight hours, you know, um, to go get the fruit from from a, a part of Brazil and bring it back to my city to uh, to sell it. And, uh, you know, I decided to make some money, you know, coming into the United States. I had an idea of staying here for a year and a half, you know, make some money, go back to Brazil and build my own freezer so I could buy the fruits from straight from the uh, the north of Brazil, which it was going to be a little more, you know, you know, cheaper than, than the way I was doing before. You know, so that's that's the reason I came here. And, and here I am after 16 years. I'm stuck here now. <laughs> there you go, man. You know, it's funny. I always hear about that acai. I've never personally tried it. I mean, I, I've tried that, uh, you know, those little packets, the the uh, bony acai, but it's not the same thing. I hear the real acai is the real deal. Can you confirm this? Oh, of course, man. Uh, the, the real acai, we, at our school here, Junico Hyannis in Hanover, we, uh, we, we, we make those acais, man. We don't we don't buy those those big buckets like uh, ice ice cream buckets. We we actually we we break the the fruit. We add all the ingredients that we needed to do the acai, and that's the real one for me. You know, um, the ones that they come out now. I mean, it's it's more convenient for all the businesses, but I think it takes a lot of a lot of the. Uh, you know the, the the taste of it. You know what I mean when you do it everything from from the scratch. Yeah, I mean it's a uh, mass production at that point. You know what I'm saying. Whereas what you're doing is you're going directly to the source. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah, man. So I mean, before I hit up Brazil next time, I definitely gotta hit up Juliano Cuitano and be like, bro, show me where to get this acai. <laughs> I'll bring you. I'll, uh, I'll bring you to the best places around, man. Yeah, there you go, man. So it's funny because we mentioned you are a Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy, but, you know, the majority of your wins are via TKO. Now, on paper, a lot of people might think you're a striker, but, you know, do you usually take people down, full mount them, and then pound them out? Or have you been winning these TKOs by legit knocking people down with your fists? Yeah, my, um, I was lucky uh, with my early fights, you know, um, being finished on TKOs. Um, you know, but that's, that's the game that I, that I play, you know what I mean? Um, and I'm also, I, I always try to keep the opponents guessing, you know what I mean? Whatever the fight goes, I feel comfortable, you know, I'm, I've been working all the way around, striking, wrestling, everything, like, like a, 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 a real MMA fighter now, you know what I mean? Uh, but I try to keep people guessing, you know, what's going to be my last fight people were dying because I didn't take the fight to the ground, you know, uh, but Let's see. This this next one, I, I have a goal in my mind. I, I know what I'm going to do, uh, you know, uh, especially knowing, you know, my, my, my opponent, watching field tapes of my opponent. And, um, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to surprise a lot of people. You know what I mean? I'm going to. Yeah, now your opponent that you're taking on at World Series of Fighting 31, Justin Willis, you know, he's 3-1. and one. He's less experienced than you, but you can never underestimate anyone in this sport so i mean what are your opinions of justin man uh the only thing i know like i said you know very athletic guy uh very explosive aggressive uh he's gonna come in 
you know, and, and people say, oh, he's only three and one. He got this. It's not like that, man. I take those fire, those, those fights even more seriously because the guy's hungry. He's trying to prove something to everybody. I just remember when I was, you know, myself, when I started my MMA career, you know, uh, I was trying to prove to everybody that I could do it. And then I was hungry. I was, I was, you know, right on the top of the game. And I was surprising a lot of people that were a little bit longer in the game. So I'm not going to take him for granted because he has last fights. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I'm fighting for every time that I train, every camp. I'm fighting for for my life as as I, I, I put it on as a go. You know what I mean? So I need to survive and I need to, to go to the next stage. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And a little irrelevant fact, you know, your entire career you've been taking on guys that have more fights than you. This is the first time you take on a guy that has less fights than you. So finally, you're the more experienced guy out there. Yep, exactly. You know, but it's not going to be, like I said, you know, it's it's going to be an even more dangerous fight for me. Exactly. That's how I see it. And, and I'm prepared. Yeah, I've, I view that as a more dangerous fight, too, because like you were saying earlier, you know, it's one of those situations where everyone's like, oh, you're going to kill this guy, you're going to run through this guy. So that actually puts a lot of pressure on you because you got to be like, hey, dude, I mean, fuck, I, I better win this fight. Whereas if you came in as a huge underdog and everyone expects you to lose, then, you know, you'd just be motivated to prove people wrong. Yeah, I agree with you, but that's one of the things, the mindset that I that I put around myself every time when I, I'm in that situation, you know, I'm putting in my mindset that I'm finding, you know, I have I, I have to win. I don't take the pressure, you know what I mean, from from anybody. The only pressure when people say, "Oh man, this is gonna be a good fight for you," you are uh, you, you you know you got this. The guy has you know less experience than you. And that's where my motivation comes from, you know, when people say that. And then, and then, uh, you know, I train harder. I'm not going to be sitting out there and say, oh, you know, I got this. I'm more experienced. I'm, I'm, I'm more, you know, uh, well-rounded, you know. I got I to gotta be even more careful now with this guy, you know. He's coming from a good uh, background team, uh, a.k.a. down in California. And uh, I'm going for war, man. I'm ready for five, five-minute rounds if, 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 I, if I had the chance to. Well, that's what the fans want to hear, man. And real quick on a side note, you were supposed to fight Tim Sylvia at one point? Yes, I was, man. Man, I was I was so bumped out about that fight. Uh it was it was gonna be one of my biggest fights, you know, in my career. Um, you know, but unfortunately, uh, you know, uh he came back. Uh, I was in my room, in my hotel room uh, at the night, a night before we did the weigh ins, we face we fit did the face off, took pictures. Um, and, and, and I got a call from the promoter, you know, around 11, 1130, you know, I was laying around trying to catch some sleep and, uh, and I got the text saying that the commission, you know, uh, didn't allow him to do it because he had a uh, blood clot in his brain with the MRI, when the MRI came back. Yeah, man, that was, that was uh very unfortunate, you know what I mean? But on the other side, you know, you got to keep, you know, the, this guy's health, you know yeah. what I mean? He was, uh, <laughs> he was a champion for a reason. He fought so many battles, you know what I mean? I was, I was looking forward to fight that guy, you know what I mean? But unfortunately things happen for a reason. And then, uh, I'm happy this way that he kind of retired. And, uh, you know, now we get to, to watch his, his old tapes, you know what I mean? When he was in the action. No, absolutely. Just remember him as a legend. Actually, now that you told me about that blood clot, dude, 
I'm very happy the fight got canceled because if you would have won out there and knocked him out, you know, who knows if you would have woke back up. And even though that'd be a victory for you, there's a lot bigger things in life than winning and losing. So I'm I'm happy too exactly. that that it got canceled. It was for the better. And you know, you take on Steve Mako, it didn't go your way. But I always talk about how it's important for fighters to take a setback from time to time and you know reassess things, evolve, get better, grow. And you came back and you got your arm raised in the very next fight. And that's it, man. That's how we learn. We learn from our mistakes. And uh, my my fight against Steve Mako, there was uh, one of one of the mistakes that I. That I think that I fixed it. It was um, for every fight now. It's mentally, you know what I mean. Uh, our minds are trying to play tricks with us, you know. Uh, before, that's why I felt, you know what I mean, with the Steve Marcos fight. I'm just gonna tell you a little bit, you know, what happened before. Um, I went down to ATT. I stayed there for a couple months. I mean, a couple weeks to train, and uh, I ended up, you know, training with Marco down there uh, while I was down there. You know what I mean. And not also only training. I was I was for two weeks there, and then um, I started to get to know some guys there. I knew some guys there already, and they kind of on the weekends I didn't have nothing to do, and I was just back at the hotel. and And the guys invited me. Actually, Steve Marco invited me to go to his house, you know, um, to 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 have some barbecue with the boys, you know, after training. And then you know, I went down there. We had fun. You know, uh, the guy introduced me to his family. So I think. I think that got into my mind, you know what I mean? I'm not a, 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 a scumbag guy, you know what I mean? I'm real well, I'm really nice guy. So everybody that knows me can tell you that. And I think I felt like that I was, you know, being an asshole just to take the fight, you know what I mean? Right. And that fight was lost even before he stepped in the cage, I can tell you right now. You know, um, this is the first time that I'm actually talking about this because, you know, I think I just, Put it on the past. I'm not keeping remembering any, you know, I don't like to remember those things and keep bringing memories back. But I think uh, I already fixed that problem, you know what I mean? Uh, mentally, the mental part of the game, uh, that was the, one of the biggest things that I had that I was concerning about it. But now that I'm fixed, you know, um, you know, I, um, I had a few guys, especially one of my trainers, help me out on that aspect of it. And I think uh, I think now I'm not gonna make the same mistake that I did the last time. Yeah, well, I appreciate you opening up about that, man. I know it's hard to talk about, so thanks a lot, Juliano. And man, like we said, you got the victory in your very next fight, and now you're taking on Justin Willis at World Series of Fighting 31. So how's it gonna go down, man? Bro, uh, this fight, I'm gonna tell you. Uh, um, the last time I said the same thing, but coming off a loss the way I, I, I did it for Marco, and then uh, I didn't want to lose. That was my only concern. I didn't want to lose that fight because I felt like that it was, you know, making me lose the passion for it. But I put my head together, you know. Um, I'm glad that I got the win. Not exciting, but I got the win. But now, for this fight, I'm going to the ground. I'm finishing this fight on a ground jiu-jitsu style, you know, so everybody won't, won't be yelling at me. He gave me a heart attack in the last fight. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, you know, it's good to test yourself out from time to time, but at the end of the day, it's even better to go back to the roots that got you in the game. So, Juliano, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. Can't wait for your fight at World Series of Fighting 31. Let the audience know where they can follow you on social media and anything else you want to plug. Now's the time, my man. 
My man, thank you very much, bro. It's a pleasure to be part of your show. Uh, you know, people can follow me on uh, Instagram, uh, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Banana C30, and also a fan page on Facebook, Juliano Banana Cochino. And also, whoever wants to uh, get some tickets and help out a fighter, you know, <laughs> to get some uh, percentage on those ticket sales, uh, you guys can uh, contact me directly on, on, you know, social media, and then I can kind of make arrangements to it, you know, and, uh, you know, you guys can expect fireworks for this, you know, I'd like to, um, to, to say thanks for, for my sponsors, you know, uh, Brazilian Grill, Donnie Hyannis, um, Burrito Loco, um, we have Starbucks Construction, um, you know, and my teammates as well, you know, I got, we got a bunch of people here that, that help me out daily, you know, to through my camp, you know, Brandon Battles, Christian Moorcraft, Greg Rebello, you know, so many other names, bro, that I got. I can't, I can't stay here all day. We got a, we got a line of champions over here pushing me for this, for this next fight. And I appreciate to to be part of your show, bro. Thank you very much. Anytime, man. We'll speak again soon. Best of luck again, and have a great day. Thank you very much. There you have it, folks. Thanks so much for checking out Half the Battle. And big thank you to John Doomsday Howard, Stevie Ray, Juliana Coutinho, and Ed Cap. And uh, thank you to the fans for checking this out. Follow me on social media on Twitter at Best Fight Picks. Go to bestfightpicks.com and subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. And until the next time, enjoy the fights.